Hey guys, this is Table for Four. This is our 11th episode on the podcast, talking with the social worker. I'm going to let Dad take it now. Cue the music! This is Stephanie. I'm Andre. I'm Adrian. I'm Stephanie. <laughs> and this is Table for Four. So as you know, March is coming to an end. So March has represented so many milestones and achievements uh, for Table for Four because we were able to highlight and feature, you know, essential workers. I mean, we've had the pleasure and the honor having these real close and personal conversations with our friends and family, you know, giving mm-hmm. us that side of story that sometimes we don't, we might not know about. Right. So, um, I mean, it was something that was very special that we were able to connect with them on that level. And, you know, March has been a busy, busy month for us. So. It has. <laughs> but March also marked the one year anniversary of COVID hitting New York City. You know, again, we we've had the opportunity and the pleasure of speaking with everybody. But March also represented women's um, uh, women's month as well. Right. You know, where they had the opportunity to commemorate and, and encourage the study uh, and celebrating women in such vital roles in, you know, in American history. And, you know, just them themselves making strides and elevating and supporting everybody from the science, from the arts, from business to health. So March has been a very busy month for everybody. Uh, March is also another special month because it is my birthday month. It's my birthday birthday. month. So um, that, you know, for me, celebrating another month um, is different. Celebrating another year with uh, so many blessings and just being able to. Um, continue with these series with essential workers and y'all make a, a girl feel real special. So thank you for everybody who was giving me birthday You're wishes. Welcome. You're welcome. Happy babe. birthday. Thank you. But I want to continue on and talk about our special guest uh, that's going to be here talking with us. Yes. Um, so she is going to be uh, a good friend of ours for as long as I can remember. Uh, she's a social worker, a longtime friend who has worked tirelessly during the whole time of this pandemic. Um, she's a certified care um, manager working with seniors and their families during the times of their transition. And she's currently working as a social work director in the Far Rockaway area. Uh, she oversees the day-to-day social service functions and she's a girl from Queens, but she still provides services to families <laughs> through all the boroughs. So she's very, very busy. Uh, when she's not working, which is very rare, uh, she's lounging around with her fur buddies, you know, the cats, and winding down the day with a nice big old glass of white wine. So mm. I understand mm. what it is. <laughs> mm. When you're working a long, long day, you need something like that. But I want to thank this time and thank everybody for participating. We have Titi Jen that's on the panel with us today. Hello. And she has had her first career in being a social worker as well. So their input and their experience, um, it's invaluable for everybody to understand from that perspective as well. Um, Melissa, are you there? I am here. Hey, what's going on? Hi, Fallen. How's everything? It is good. I can't complain. No, not it's yet. It's Wednesday, so I'm half <laughs> <laughs> halfway there. Halfway there. Okay. <laughs> it's almost the end my of the week. So I'm very happy. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so Melissa, I just want to take this time and thanking you and participating with us on the podcast with Table for Four. Um, whatever you want to talk about, let's talk about it because this is this is it. This is the real talk. We're trying to find out what happened during this whole time of this pandemic, how have you been dealing with it? How have you, you know, coped with all the different changes and what is it that you're looking forward to? So I would love to just sit down and talk to you. This is going to be a good episode. I can feel it already. (laughs) (laughs) I hope so. While you were talking, I was like literally obsessed with the dog because he was like, what is happening? What is going on? (laughs) (laughs) These dogs are the cutest things you'll ever see. 
but they just looking around like what is happening yeah they forget how big they are and they will jump on your lap and lick your face yeah they have serious FOMO FOMO yes so everywhere you go they got FOMO you walk around they follow you as you know, it's been one year since the pandemic hit New York City, and it's been a difficult and strange year for everyone. Uh, Melissa, I'd love to hear from you about what exactly a certified care manager does and what your day-to-day workload looks like, and then kind of explain how that was affected by COVID. Day-to-day, nine, Monday through Friday, 9 to 5, I am a social work director in a nursing home. Um, so I am doing everything, day-to-day assessments, providing emotional support, coordinating services for families, for patients, getting them in from the hospital, um, coordinating their care while they're with me, and then hopefully get them home. Ultimately, that's the end goal is to get them home. Um, On the side, that is where um, I am working with families privately and independently to help them to just do the day-to-day brunt work um, and working with the healthcare system because we all know it's crazy. Yeah. Um, and as people are getting older, it gets crazier and crazier. So rules to probably by five o'clock, the rules have changed. And so I'm helping families kind of navigate that entire system and then linking them to resources in the community. So what about you, Jen? Give us your little background on social working. <laughs> um, my background, well, I actually haven't been working as a social worker for about I actually did the math last night it's been 9 years it's been a Already? very yeah it's been a very long time no so way i don't know how much of my expertise i can provide but i will say um i used to be a foster care case manager so i worked with children that were removed from homes and placed into foster homes and then working with the families on a reunification process even though i left actual casework Nine years ago, I did stay with the agency for another four or five years on the opposite side of the agency. So as far as like working in development, marketing, fundraising, um, office management. So I kind of learned the whole in and outs of a nonprofit as a whole. Um, But yeah, I can, even though it's been nine years since I was one-on-one in casework, I completely understand what people are going through and I put myself in social workers shoes right now because I know what the ramifications were of what's going on right now, especially in foster care and how that affected families and parents and that whole reunification process. How were things for you? You know, how was your commute? How has your workload been? What has been the hardest for you? And, you know, just tell us a little bit about yourself and just letting us know, how has it been? How has it been for you? Um, you want me to be real and raw or you want me to be nice? <laughs> um, here, here, table for four, we want it all. We want it all. So this is as real as it's going to get. Yeah. <laughs> We're not hiding back. We're not holding back. Don't hold, up, hold back for the kids. Cause they need to know. You know all the juicy details. <laughs> He's too much. Um, to be honest, it was insane. Um, at least in the beginning, I would say we went into lockdown in Jan- in March, um, March 11th. To be honest, homes closed. We stopped visitation. Um, and after that, for probably until like July, it was crazy, just nonstop craziness. Um, you know, in the beginning, we were kind of trying to find out what we were dealing with because nobody, nobody knew what we were dealing with really, to be honest. Um, and so we were kind of doing all of that while trying to treat patients, losing patients, trying to maintain staff and keep your composure every day. That must have been something I can't, well, <laughs> I can't even imagine when you're trying to provide a service and you're trying to give both emotional support, yeah. you're trying to, to work your resources and to deal with that type of pressure on top of COVID. I can't even imagine how it was for you. How was your mm-hmm. commute though? Like how, I remember our, our friend Jay, he was like, the trains were dead, like were empty, empty. It's funny because I was looking at 
my Facebook memories today. And it was like one of my memories was like a picture of the train um, on my commute to work. And literally, you know, I travel opposite. So I'm always empty anyway, going like from the city. But there was probably like five people on the train, including me. Wow. Um, wow. At like eight o'clock in the morning when it's normally like full train, even going into Far Rockaway, it's a full train. Wow. Um, so that's pretty much what it was like, at least for like the first two or three months of the pandemic. That's crazy. But how, what made you get up every morning? For me, I found it hard that I'd have nowhere to go, right? Is it, you're on lockdown, you're in quarantine. How did you get off of that bed and say to myself, I, I, gotta, I gotta get to work? I'm not talking about in a financial you know, aspect, because we all know that, you know, we work and, and that's always one of the motivations, but like, yeah, what, no, I'm just saying, ain't gonna pay I, <laughs> I mean, seriously, seriously, right, right, I no, gotta go to work. <laughs> <laughs> but like, what, what allowed you to get up from that bed and say, you know, I gotta go? Definitely my patience. I didn't know, you know, we had COVID in the building. I didn't know if we were going to make it. I knew that we didn't have family. Um, and that's probably the biggest reason why I went to work. When, when thinking about the, the workload in itself, having that position where you have to now deal with families, you have to deal with COVID, you have to deal with transitions. How did that, how did your workload every yeah. day like how did like, you even handle that yeah, like i know some some of the courts were closed right so how do you guys how deal, did you even do to deal with paperwork yeah. with court system and, and stuff you do nothing i would literally until this day i am still telling some of my patients depending on what they're asking for like dude the world is closed like we're just now starting to open up all i could say was nothing is happening we're literally in the middle of a pandemic Everything is shut down unless it's an essential, like basic human need. It is not going to happen. If you're looking for an apartment, it's not going to happen. You're currently safe where you are. No one, no one is going to come in and try to, to place you in an apartment. If you're looking for something like a birth certificate, because someone was asking for a birth certificate, it's not going to happen. It's just, you just have to wait it out. And it's, it was really, really sad. It was really crazy. But that's all I could say. Like at that point, I didn't know what was happening. So the, the most basic answer is all I could give people. Wow. Did you see a change like throughout the year? Like once you started getting closer to 2021, did you see things start like little by little reopening depending on what type of, I guess, paperwork or case that that was needed? Or, the, or resources or, being, resources? or, or services that you could have provided for, for your patients? Yes, definitely. Definitely. There's as, as the months went on and I can't even say as the months, as we got closer to 2021, um, things here and there would kind of start to pick up. And then we could kind of be like, okay, this is easing up a little bit. So here you go. But at the same time, it was like, do I want to take you from an environment where you're safe? And I know that you don't have really the possibility of contracting COVID and putting you out into the world where resources were still very slim. And then on top of all of that, you could potentially catch COVID. Um, so it's kind of you have to balance and see which um which is more positive which is which is greater and which is going to make them happier while also keeping in mind the state of the world unfortunately that must have been hard to 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 deal with uh adrian you said you had a question what was your least favorite part of becoming or being a social worker during the pandemic or in general both, both. i know you were going to say that <laughs> <laughs> So uh, during the pandemic was probably um, just losing patients unexpectedly. And I say that, I don't know, with hesitance, because I guess it was expected at the, at the beginning of the pandemic. Um, oh, only because it was age related or like, did they have other comorbidities or they had other ailments that could have, you know, led them to making you make that statement? Like... Uh, probably because we just didn't really know, to be very honest. We didn't really know. Um, you know, they would get COVID and they would 
be treated at the hospital. They would be fine. They would be good. They would come back stabilized and then they would crash and they would be gone. So, you know, sometimes it was status quo. They would be a-okay. And then sometimes it was just like, hey, he was good today and tomorrow you don't know what's going to happen. So that was probably the hardest part during the pandemic. Wow. Or my least favorite part. Overall, the pay. I mean, can we get paid a little bit better? Preach. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's almost like it, it always falls in line with teachers, educators, social work, things like that. I, I feel like they never get properly compensated. Never. I mean, they, you can't. I, I, I've, I've seen it. It's a, it's, it's tough. It's tough. But you guys do more work than I can think of. And yeah. you're part of the, the special group of people. The forgotten heroes. The, absolutely. Absolutely. And you guys are part of the, the, the special people that are working diligently through the pandemic and trying to provide the services and still trying to maintain yourself. <laughs> That's the hard part. You know, but Preach. I mean, I've, I've seen some, uh, some of your personal Facebook um, posts that, you know, I've seen your hands covering your face and I've seen it was like a look of defeat. And I mean, if you want to talk a little bit about that, I would love to, you know, get a little bit of that backstory because I know there might have been maybe one or two stories that kind of affected you more than others. Or maybe mm-hmm. there was a special connection you have with a patient because I, I, I've been there, you know, but it hasn't been to the point like I've had an experience where I've seen patients pass away in my clinic and things like that. But it, it for day to day to build that relationship, I, I could never understand that to that extent. No way. Mm-hmm. I couldn't. Um, so I know the picture that you're talking about. I think it's the picture I reposted. Was it a memory? Yeah. It, yeah. So it, it was a picture I had reposted like in March of last year. Um, and we had just lost a patient that like in the morning on my way into work, I got a phone call and was like, oh, Melissa, he coded. It doesn't look well. Um, but yes, the day before, yesterday, the day before, he was like walking, talking, like joking with us, like nothing. Um, and so for me to walk in the door and be like, oh, he didn't make it. Um, it was literally like the most devastating thing I could possibly think of. Um, and so... Uh, I was close with him. My social worker was close with him. And it was probably, it was the second time I had broken down, but it was the first time my social worker had broken down. And she just walked in my office. She said, I need to close the door. And I was like, what's wrong? And she was like, I need to cry. Um, And normally, you know, I'm very, like very flat at work. It's a-okay. No one sees me cry. Um, I cry when I come home if I need to cry, but she literally, she just took off her PPE. She took off her mask and she was like, please just hug me. Um, And it was the first time that we were just like, this is too much for us. And that was just one of the instances you said. That was one of the incidents. And so after she left, I just sat at my desk and I kind of just put my hands, my face in my hands. And I was just like, I don't know how I'm going to do this for the however many months that we have left from this. And that was in the beginning, though. That was in the beginning. Yeah, here we are. Here we are a year later. And the memory came up and that must have a floodgate of emotions should have yeah even now talking about it i feel like oh my god like i can still remember the feeling i can still remember like you know remember i'm also my the patients are also hearing that someone that they saw yesterday died i'm also consoling my staff and letting them know like hey this you know it's going to be okay i don't really know that it's going to be okay but i'm gonna i'm gonna fake the funk and let you know that it's okay um while also trying to preserve my own emotional well-being yeah my stomach my stomach is like in knots right now just hearing just hearing it and i don't i don't think people that are outside of the social service industry kind of understand the emotional undertaking you take as a social worker. You're not just dealing with your client, right? You're dealing with your client. You're dealing with their families. You're dealing with their care providers. You're dealing with their services. And that's, you don't have just one, you don't just have just one client. So imagine if, I don't know what your workload is and how many um, clients you have, but when I was at, I had had about 25 children, but so to imagine 25 children. Exponentially. Times yeah, yeah, parents. Whole nursing home, right. Times 
you know, the services that they're receiving, times I also have to deal with their foster parent, times, you know, dealing with this person, that person, and then also trying to maintain your own mental health um, right. well-being. So I don't people understand that it's not just, you're just dealing with one person. You're dealing with dozens of people. A multitude. And the first thing I thought about during COVID was, I can imagine dealing with all those types of people during a pandemic when I can't get to them. They, you know, everyone's scared. So you're dealing with scared patients. You're dealing with their scared families. You're dealing with service providers that can't get to them. So it's, uh, it's like a, a, an avalanche of things that right. are hitting you all at once. So I can, it, it gives me, it freaks me out just thinking about it. if I had oh. still been in, in uh, that. Yeah. And meanwhile, you probably can't even get answers. They're asking you questions. They're, they're, right. they're, they're looking to, to you, go right? Yourself to go into the yep. to, to, to like go to, above to and the beyond. State of, city of New York, trying to get answers and stuff, and, and nobody's you, answering you know, any questions. No answers, and your hands are tied because wow. you you no are put, oh, oh, there's no answers, and you got an I got an answer at nine a.m. and the answer was twenty times different at five o'clock. Mm-hmm. So imagine, you know, okay, I got it. This is what I'm dispersing to my team. We got it. We think we know, and at four thirty. It's like, mm, so this is what the CDC said today. So whatever I told you this morning, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can scratch that. Mm-hmm. Now we're going to do this. Um, so that just made the tension and the anxieties like mm-hmm. 20 times worse. It's wow. a very in-person, face-to-face kind of industry, right? So when that's completely taken away, how do you function? Wow. Like for me, as a foster, when I was a foster care worker, we would arrange family visits, right? The, the birth parents would have to come visit their children. There was no family. There's still no family visits. I spoke to a social worker that I used to work with a couple of weeks ago. There's no family visits still happening. So can you imagine as a birth parent, having your child taken away in a strange home in the middle of a pandemic, pandemic. where oh you think the God. world is ending and who's your go-to person? The social worker. The social That's worker. the person that you want answers from. I want to see my child. I can't. Or, you know, I need to know what's going on. My child's not in school. What's going on with that? And then the foster parents are dealing with their own life issues. They're in the middle of a crisis. They have their own kids and their own families to worry about. They might have parents in a nursing home that they have to worry about too. So it's just a never ending cycle of of chaos and you don't know what's going to happen. And there's, like you said, there's no answers. I feel feel like you you guys get let down plenty of times, (laughs) like 100% of the time. Yeah. But I, I think, Damn. I think when we think about in, in, in that aspect, what, what do you do next? Right. So you're thinking about how can I provide the services that I'm here to do? Right. How can I go on? How, what's keeping me motivated to continue to do the services? And she mentioned it before. It's her patients. Yeah. Number one priority are your, 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 your patients, your kids, your, 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 kids, your family, everything is all tied together. So you are only but one person. You are stretched (laughs) beyond capacity. You're wearing multiple hats. You're wearing multiple hats. You are playing different roles. You are only but one person. So when somebody says to me, Steph, I hear you. I hear you. I hear you. That I, I get teared up just thinking about it only because it's like, I know for a fact that there have been so many people that have oh. been suffering and to have this opportunity to talk to you because I haven't spoken to you in such a long time. I thought about you all the time. I thought about all my friends and my family. I don't mean to be emotional, but this is something that is very personal to me because I mean, I love everybody so much and I worried and worried and worried and it, it made me sick. Like it made me sick. Like me personally, Worrying about my family and worrying about my friends and then being isolated and not being able to talk to body because I wasn't sure what to say or how to say it or how do I approach them? It, it mm-hmm. was so hard, you know, and thank God that we had, you know, the time that we did have, you know, certain people were able to get through it. You know, we, we have we are in survivor mode. Yeah. We're on survivor mode. So yep. being able to talk to uh, nurses and 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 social workers, people in transit, they gave us the behind the scenes, and I, I I couldn't even imagine imagine what was going on in their personal lives. So I I I I'm so thankful that I was able to talk to you and still talk to you. 
you know, but I, it brings me back so many memories and it's just like, I, I can't even imagine. So again, this is so important for me personally that I'm working through it still, but I'm able to have my family and still talk to them and, and, and be grateful that we're going in the right direction. So thank mm-hmm. you again. I, I didn't mean to get all emotional, but it's like thinking about it a year and hearing you going through that. I, it, it puts me in a different it gives me so much more respect for you that I, I can't even play I can't even put myself in your position I can never so I want to thank I you for your services it. and I want to thank you for that I, I really do I really really do I appreciate it I appreciate it and you know it's funny because I have families that will like call and they'll be like Melissa I want to like send you guys something or I want to like do something for you guys and literally that's all I asked for I said you know my staff doesn't need anything. They have everything that they need. You know, all my staff likes to hear is thank you. Literally, because we don't hear it often. It's just like people will say it's your job. You're supposed to do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're supposed to do it, but we're also human. Mm -hmm. We're also scared. We're also tired. We're also overwhelmed. All all they want to hear is that you appreciate what we're doing and that you're thankful. So whenever I get someone who just sends a card and is just saying, Melissa, thank your staff, it means the world to me because it means that you actually are acknowledging everything that we're going through and you appreciate the little that um, that we're doing because it doesn't feel like it's so much because it's what we do every no, but day. It is. But it is. Yep. That's the thing. It is. So I appreciate it. I very, very much appreciate it. But I want to I want to take a second. You know, just to say what has kept you motivated. You know, I, I, for one, my kids are my motivation. You know, my health is my motivation. But what, what kept you motivated? Not me. No, wow. I didn't include you. My, you my, my, my husband, my husband wow. kept me motivated. Sorry, you sorry. Count. You don't count. Sorry, sorry. Wait, you don't count. Pause, pause. <laughs> <laughs> Unplug everything. Let's go. That's it. We're setting up for the day. We're closing up shop. <laughs> Okay, bye-bye. No, I was kidding. Figure it out on your own. No, you're not kidding. Bye-bye. <laughs> um, I, I think really it's just like, it's just like the light at the end of the tunnel, like normalcy. That's what's keeping me motivated is the fact that we're, that I see the light at the end of the tunnel. And if I got through the worst of it, then eventually I'm going to get to the best of it. That's amazing. And that's, that's hard just to even, to think about it, the light at the end of the tunnel. I know it's like a cliche thing to say, but it's, it, it's true though. <laughs> it's true. It's definitely true. It's definitely true. And how did you, how did you feel supported? Um, like with friends and family, did you feel support? And sometimes, guys, I know sometimes when we spoke with, um, with Carla, she said she had a hard time in the beginning. Um, not feeling supported by the staff and they were being um, moved to different units. Um, And it was a lot to handle because they were short staff and people were being moved to units that they weren't very familiar with. And, um, Mm -hmm. and she was given some resources, you know, referring to a website, but sometimes you just need to speak to people. And like Jennifer mentioned before that social work is such a face to face interaction. Did you mm-hmm. have somebody to talk to from outside the scope of work or did you really leave it to, to work to speak, you know, to that? Um, to be honest, no. Um, I think, I don't think that people really understood. I mean, we were at the height of the pandemic and I was still getting invitations from friends to like go to parties and to like go For hang real? out. Or the world shut. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> End of March, beginning of April, people were like, "Hey, we're gonna have this party at my house. Like, you should come." And I was like, "What?" I was like, "What? What? What do you mean?" And I had people who like wouldn't talk to me because like they were going places and would invite me, and I was like, "No, I'm not going." And it was like, "What do you mean? Like, the world has to go on." Yeah, the world has to go on, but one. I'm at a heightened, heightened risk for exposure. So do I want to 
put everyone else at risk for exposure because I've been exposed on a day-to-day basis. And number two, I don't know where you guys have been. So I might be okay, but I don't know where you are, who you've been hanging out with. So now you want to increase my risk of exposure. And so it was kind of like, oh, Melissa, whatever, things are going to get better. It's a year later and are things really better? (laughs) (laughs) But did you, did you quarantine at any point? At, at, At any point, did you quarantine? No point. I have worked straight through the pandemic. I have thankfully, God, thankfully have never contracted COVID. But of course, my risk of exposure is high every day. Man, wow. you got that old negative blood. <laughs> <laughs> he only mentions that because um, everyone says that like, if you have like oh, like oh, positive or negative, like you're immune to the. I don't know. If, I, don't I don't know if it's true. I don't know if there's studies that. I don't know That's what they say. Like that, certain blood type is yeah, like more susceptible to get so high end immunity. Yeah. yeah, right. But I think I think what you're trying to get at is um, <laughs> uh, Jen's husband. Okay, Jen has to explain to you why this is the reasoning for that. Yeah, he's been exposed like four times. Once by me, another by my mother, another by you know working a wedding and and nothing. He hasn't gotten. Yeah, she tested positive, uh, so she has to quarantine. And uh, I think we attribute it to the indigenous blood we have. <laughs> Dodging bullets. But meanwhile, I got oh. it. I had it in March. <laughs> we all got it. All, all, all of us in our house, we all got it. Yeah, totally. And, and he, Andre probably got it the worst. He ended up going to the hospital. For, wow. Yeah, he ended up going to a hospital for like a day, day and a half because yeah. he had difficulty in breathing. And then in my case, I had the, the, the fever, the chills. I lost my sense of taste, sense of smell. And then his mom walking around, she's fine. She was asymptomatic. He's like, thanks, lady. But well, we don't know. We don't know who brought it home. So we, it was all, like all the that whole game. T- the blame game. You did. You gave it to me. No, you gave it to me. You know, you you were working nursing. Who first got it? You can't. You can't blame it. To me. We don't know. You don't know. We we just didn't know where was the source. She of worked it. at a clinic. I don't know. You don't know. We, 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 don't, we don't even know. You can't tell us. No, but you again. When Melissa talks about exposure, you're around us. So everybody was exposed. That was the thing. So, you know, when, when you think about it, so nobody in your family got COVID? So my mom had COVID symptoms. She lost her sense of smell and her sense of taste. Um, but when she tested, she was negative. She tested her, um, they tested for antibodies. She came back with no antibodies. Wow. My aunt got COVID. Um, from someone at work or something like that. I think they went somewhere and she got COVID. Um, but aside from that, oh, and my, my godson just tested positive from someone at school. Wow. Recently? But that's like, yeah, recently, like a couple he's, weeks ago. He's okay though, right? Yeah, he's fine. Oh, he's okay. fine. Okay. But, but that's it. No one else. That's crazy. And, and I, you would be the most high risk. <laughs> and you know, you didn't catch it. See, dodging those bullets. Dodging the bullets. <laughs> Listen, it was a. Oh, my hands are like so dry from all the sans, hand sanitizer oh, and girl, washing. Falling apart. <laughs> oh, my, my fingernails. Yeah. Like literally like that. And it was uh, literally like I would come in from work and I would go straight to the bathroom and strip Trip. everything, yep. the shower, and put on a fresh pair of clothes. And I would not do anything until that's what I did. Um, so that's really all I can say. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Sometimes I would hope I got COVID so I would t- get a break from work. Literally, <laughs> 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 14 days off. <laughs> I mean, it's yeah, still not too late I for you. At work. I literally would test at work and be like, please be positive. Please be positive. <laughs> I need a break. <laughs> but would you really get a break though? Yeah, that was the question. So one time I had a false positive, right? So we, we test at work twice a week. Um, and it was like, Melissa, you need to come back because you tested positive. And I was like, yes, I had my email ready to send to my boss. Like, yes, I got two weeks off. I went and swapped again and they were like, it was negative. Melissa, you're fine. I was like, damn, I got him. Ready. They're like, we need her. Give her negative. Right? Seriously. <laughs> but then it, will, it would come down like if there was a, a shortage of staff. I mean, did any of the staff get sick that they, they still had to come in? Like, how did that even work out? Like... Nope. Nope. The minute you test positive, you are escorted out the door and the sanitizing machine follows you. <laughs> follows you. 
<laughs> That's so funny. But like when you think about how how the parameters change every day, because like you mentioned before, you said you didn't know the direction of how things were going. But like, what was your idea of how New York City handled the whole pandemic situation, like with the mayor and the governor? Like, what what was your idea or like <laughs> suggestions? <laughs> oh, besides women falling in love with him every day, just, oh just boy, Mr. Dreamy. <laughs> New York's number one bachelor. Uh, oh my god! <laughs> Please. That's Please. a whole controversy in itself, my friend. It really, really, really is. Um, to be honest with you, I can't stand him. I was like very pro Cuomo in the beginning. I was like, yes, he's got it. Like we're very much under control. Thank you so much. So appreciative. And the minute he started lying about the the directives that he was giving us as nursing homes, as as and as care providers, I was like, nah, I'm done with you. Like, don't throw us under the bus now because it's hitting the fan. Wow. So at that point, and it was probably like he gave an order to us. I remember the date because I'm always like, I hate this man as of this day. March 25th, 2020, he gave an order that we had to take COVID positive patients from the hospital. Regardless, if we had a bed, we were taking a COVID positive patient. That was the order. And then in the summer, he said, nope, I never gave that order. At that point, I was like, you're fired and I'm done with you. Wow. Because I remember that, that, that policy that took into place in your, in your mom's job. I remember that. So, so when he gave that directive on March 25th, that's pretty much what started the whole spread, right? Bringing back in the COVID positive patient and then spreading it throughout the nursing home. Mm-hmm. It wasn't even like, hey, it's your patient. Make sure if they, you send them to the hospital, make sure you bring them back. It was literally like any patient. Oh, the really? hospitals are full. So here you have a bed. We're going to fill the bed. It doesn't matter if they have COVID. Not like, hey, let me put them on the ship we just brought from. Yeah. I don't know where they brought the ship from, but whatever. But let me fill those beds. No, no, here you go. Like take my COVID positive. So what happened to the Java Center? Wasn't the Java Center supposed to be like, for COVID patients? Yeah. Yep. The ship, the yeah. ship, the Java Center. The ship, the Java yeah, but the Center. ship tested positive, so they left. <laughs> the, <laughs> the tents in Central Park, like yeah. all these things, or whatever park it was. Yeah. They were that, all empty. Yeah, all yeah. empty. <sighs> all of them. What? This is crazy. This, that, that's, that's insane. So where do, where do things, I guess, land now? Because my whole thing with nursing homes and my where I, I kind of feel sympathy for for the patients is visitation yeah. where where does things lie now because i know the isolation for them in their older years is extremely difficult mm-hmm. um, and i think to me that would drive people to probably lose the will to live not having the ability to see their friends and family and you know aside from covid but maybe having their own you know things going on with their health because they're older um how was that whole process for the past year with like without having visitation and where do things um, stand now? So we closed um, nursing homes closed for visitation March 11th. Um, we were closed through, I think it was September. Um, and in September, they gave us an order that if we were COVID negative for the last two, nope, 30 days and then we could have supervised scheduled visitation. How many people um, were allowed to come in? It, it all depended. You had to give your visitation plan to the Department of Health and they would approve whether or not your facility could o- could open for visitation. Was it case um, by case or it was just like the nursing home in general? The, facility? the nursing home. Wow. Yep, the nursing home in general. But like in the interim, we were doing FaceTimes with families. Um, we would let them see us, see them through the window. If the weather was well, they would come and they would like to FaceTime through the window. Um, and then things have kind of, they, they change here and there. Um, then it went to 14 days, but they had to be, um, they had to present a negative COVID swab. Then it went to no visitation again. And then what did the governor say now? No, we can open visitation. They don't need to be swaps for COVID. Um, there's like a thousand and one guidelines, but he does things and he'll say it today. And it was like effective last Monday. Like, how does that make sense? <laughs> does it? So now he says no swabbing for the visitors, but are the, are the employees still going to get swabbed? We still get swabbed twice a week. 
So that def- kind of like defeats the purpose. Like, like if everyone should get sw- <clears throat> swabbed in the building, they're coming in, right? So you you would, you would think, think so. Yeah, you would think so. <laughs> I, I don't even know how to respond to that because it's like you're allowing people that again Melissa was getting invited yeah. with friends they said oh, we're gonna go to a party she was like I don't know where you've been at so I, I think Cuomo like, was at that party <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy it's literally cra- like we have states that we can't visit like it's like absolutely not it's on the no fly like if you're a healthcare worker you should not visit these states um, and it gets updated every week but you know people are people they're just like let me wing it let me see who's gonna catch me right, right but then they have rules like if you're an essential worker and you're flying you didn't have to provide you didn't have to fill out the paperwork so that kind of like defeats the purpose like you're getting you're getting you're, they're telling you not to fly because oh you're an essential worker you can't go into these states it's a high risk states but then if you go into those states and come back you know, you don't have to show any paperwork that you're over there because you're an essential exactly. worker. Exactly. Did you have any families that wanted to come in and kind of take home their family member because of what was uh, going on? I only had one who was like, oh my God, you guys have COVID in your building. I'm coming to get my mom. And I was like, okay, like, that's fine. Just know this is what's going to happen if you come and take your mom. Um, and I think she kind of weighed the options and she was like, yeah, nah, I can't do it. Like I can't do it, right? So how how would that go about, especially in a, in a time like this, trying to get somebody out of there? You can't, right? Everything is closed. Like you have to go through the whole paperwork, the whole system, just to get approval, just to get a patient out. Certain things are still not being done. Certain things are being done virtually. Even for us, like certain things are being done virtually. Um, so if I can do it virtually and say, okay, fine, you're going to be safe. Um, yeah, more power to you. Take mom home. But if I just think that you're doing it because you feel like your mom's going to get COVID, she can get COVID in the nursing home. She can get COVID at home. Coming from the nursing home to your house. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, which, which risk is greater? Wow. I think, like you said, the whole virtual thing, I think a lot of social workers kind of had to adapt to that new way of doing business. Um, so when I spoke to another caseworker that I, like I mentioned before, um, a big part of the job in foster care was doing home visits. So you have to physically go into the home, assess the home, make sure there's no safety risks. You know, you, you speak to the child, you speak to the parent, you speak to the foster parent, people, everyone in the home, right? You can't do any of that now. So what they've been doing now is virtual home visits. So I can't imagine how difficult that is. Like, especially if you're dealing with uh, a parent or foster parent who is uncooperative and you have to, they refuse to show you one part of the, okay, you're showing me your amazing kitchen, but behind door number two, I don't know what's going on back there. You can't get the full picture. You can't speak to that child one-on-one and kind of, you don't know. Okay, maybe they're talking to me on their iPad, but standing behind them is their parent threatening them for saying the wrong thing. Yeah, yeah, you- so it's, I, don't, I just don't know how people are functioning and, and being able, it, that's the first thing that I broke down crying the first week that they closed down schools. I told my husband, I said, you don't understand what this means. Oh. There's kids that are going to be stuck at home. And I spoke from a place of what I used to do because I knew what happens behind closed doors. And I worried for those kids on what was happening at home. Right, right, right. And you know, no one's going to be able to get to them. And it was very tough. And I can't imagine, you know, the fear as a social worker, not being able to see what's happening to the children, but also the birth, like if it's, if, if there is a child in someone else's home, you know, worrying about your own birth child and not knowing what's happening and not getting that connection um, and having to rely on everything virtually. I don't think... Though the level of care and services being provided, it is at an all-time low right now, I'm sure. And I think that goes across all different services. I, I, we've had an opportunity to talk to a gentleman. Um, he was, he, it was such a, a crazy story. We were going to go food shopping and this gentleman, he was right by, he was by your side or he came on yeah, my, my side. side? Yeah, he was selling t-shirts. And um, he was a recovering drug addict. And, mm-hmm. and I was like, that's so random that, you come and, you know, he was walking around and selling t-shirts and he wanted to talk about his story. You know, I sent him an email, you know, just to, you know, reach out to him and talk to him. But he spoke about how certain services were still being provided for those that are homeless and those that are recovering addicts. And I was like, wow, how were you able to to do that? Because social working and, and, and things like that, certain services were, like you said, completely stopped. 
So mm-hmm. I'm thinking about it and I'm like, wow, how are they able to, you know, be persistent and, and still provide those services? Because people need it. The children need it. The, you know, how do you, how do you help those that are displaced? And, right. and, mm-hmm. well, well, he was living in a group home. Right. He was telling home. us that. And I For wish he, I wish he called us back, but you know, but just trying to figure out how do you continue providing those services? You know, virtually, how can you, how can you do that? You know, so that, that in it's itself. The bare minimum. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure there's okay. caseworkers too that are in survival mode themselves and don't want to. So even today, I, even though they might be starting to allow home visits, there's some that are like, I'm not going to I'm this not person. Going. I'm not going to this person's yeah. house. I'm yeah. putting my health at risk. So right. what are we going to do? And I think that's going to be a yep. long lasting effect of this. Of course. That they're not going to get the proper services and help that they need because. Yep. Pretty much everyone's in survival mode and only at the end of the day, you're worried about yourself and you're worried Absolutely. about your own family. Absolutely. And, and, that, and that has always been the, the thought in the back of my mind. But with, with all the, the news about the COVID vaccine and the, the direction that everybody's talking about, the different studies, the effectiveness and things like that, like, do you think that with the vaccine itself, will it help bring back some normalcy? Do you think that you know, alleviate some of those fears that could have happened or that are still happening now, even though a year later, you know, I myself, I finally got off the wait list. <laughs> I, I get my vaccine in like two weeks. I'm like, I'm excited. So <laughs> I'm looking forward to that. But like, what are your thoughts about the, um, the COVID vaccine and, you know, your idea about it? Do you plan to take it? Or if you already got it, did you get, did you get it already? I am already fully vaccinated. Oh, uh, yay. Yeah, I was fully vaccinated as of the end of January. So we were one of the first ones to get vaccinated. Um, And yeah, definitely. I think that it will definitely bring back a sense of normalcy. I think it's really people are are seeing the vaccine as a security. Um, this This is what I need to kind of get me to the next step. It's not going to make it completely go away because I feel like COVID is going to be like the flu. You know, it's going right. to be here every year. Right, we're right. going to have to learn to adapt. We're going to have to learn what to do year to year, how it changes, what we're going to do. But we, it, it's kind of just going to give you that little security blanket. Um, and I think that that's what people are looking for. That's what's making people feel a little bit more secure. Hopefully we'll see normalcy with, by the summer. That's what I'm hoping for. At that's least. the hope cr- uh, crossing our fingers. But, yeah. um, you know, when, when thinking back about the whole time that you've been working have you had the opportunity to travel or did you have any travel plans that were canceled or i mean no no nope i stayed home like we we were lucky because we we took our family vacation in february of right 20 before right before everything happened so it's like you know Thank God we were able to do it before, but you didn't have anything planned for the rest of the year prior. We had nothing planned for the rest of the year. Um, it's funny because, you know, in 2020, I said that the thing, the one thing that I was going to do that I hadn't done in the previous years was I was going to take more vacations. And then 2020 came and I was like, oh, that was God being like, nah, slow down. <laughs> No, ma'am. <laughs> no, no, no. But it's funny. Like, we were uh, a couple of weeks ago, we were out in Phoenix and then we went to Vegas. And I told Steph, I'm like, yo, didn't Melissa used to come out here all the time to Vegas? I remember like a, a few years ago, like every, every week. Summer. <laughs> every summer, sometimes twice a summer. Yeah. I was in, yep. No, nothing. I mean, to be honest, from when COVID started, I think the first time that I went out to dinner was, uh, God, it was so long ago, probably in January. No way. Like that, was, like that was the first. No, that's a lie. When they opened very shortly for like two weeks for indoor dining. Oh, yeah. Before I went they shut down again. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I went to brunch with my mom in those two weeks that they had indoor dining. And I think that was in like October wow. or November. And then they closed and then I didn't go back out till January. And you only went out just to go to work. That was the only reason going out. To go and, to work. And- I didn't even go to the supermarket. I literally did Instacart and Amazon Fresh. That, yeah, wow. I mean, whew. 
sending sending him out on his first uh, trip to the supermarket, he had anxiety. I had, yeah, after I, I was after my COVID battle, I was out sick for three weeks. And I had the shivers, the shakes, loss of taste, loss of smell, pretty much everything you could think of. And then I got better. But then after those three weeks, she sent me to the store and I had social anxiety. Just trying to get, be, being inside, the, stuck in a room for three weeks. She's like, yeah. I, need you, I need you to start to get some, something for, to, for the food. And I'm like, you sure? She's like, yeah, you're, you're already over it. You should be able to go back outside. I came back handshaking, sweating. I'm like, don't ever send me back to the store again. I can imagine. I literally, but, but that's, those are the things that people don't realize um, about COVID. It's like the, the anxiety that it gives you. Um, you know, the sense of worry, like all of those things are what people like don't understand that that we not even just me and like as a healthcare worker, like we in general are dealing with. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I felt terrible sending him. I was like, yo, but we need food, man. We don't have nothing in the house. <laughs> Amazon she put, she put fashion, my, Instacart. Yeah, she like, you got the antibodies. You need to be out there. <laughs> <laughs> she was testing those antibodies. Yeah. Like, let's see if it really works. Yep. <laughs> like, you'll be all right. You'll be fine. Go outside. But, you know, it's it, it's so funny. I mean, it's not funny, but we, it's funny when you think about it that when he had that thought in his head, it's like, I'm not going to the store. Don't send me to the store again. And I'm like, if for such a person that nothing never bothered him, like he was the type of per- fearless. That's what I would call him. Nothing bothers him. Aloof, joking. To see him in that position to 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 change his demeanor and the and his personality, I was like, wow, it was a big change. It was a big change in seeing him. And, you know, thank God, you know, he's he's better. He's fine. And, you know, but that wasn't the case for a lot of people. And I know you've mm-hmm. experienced that firsthand. So, yep. but I mean, when when thinking about it, like what what do you have to look forward to? And not necessarily in 2021, but like just for now, like what are you looking forward to? Because I know for us, it's really trying to get the kids back to school, trying to, you know, get back to some schedule, you know, trying to get out the house, trying to do more exercise, trying to take off that COVID weight, <laughs> that COVID 15 pounds, you Girl, know. Girl, let me know when you find out because I need like COVID 20 got me. <laughs> but like those, are, like, those are the things that we're trying to look forward to, you know, and I think that we have been able to take this podcast and use that as a form of, therapy. And I think mm-hmm. it's something that is very self-healing, you know, being able to sit down and talk to people and just discuss your emotions, talk about things. Because sometimes I feel like we don't have the opportunity to do that. I've grown closer with people. I've, gone, I've, I've had the opportunity to say, hey, listen, tell me what's going on. I haven't talked to you in a long time. I want to see where are you at? Are you okay? How are things? You know, and I've lost some friends along the way that mm-hmm. didn't call never reached out. And I'm like, well, you know, if you didn't have, if you didn't want to speak to me then, what makes it so different that you want to talk to me during a pandemic? Then I've, and I've, I've made decisions. I'm like, mm, I've been cutting people off. And that sometimes you have to do that. And it made me realize like some of these people are not your friends. A hundred percent. hundred percent. So those are the things that I'm looking forward to. Making new friends, making new connections, trying to get through nursing school. <laughs> Yeah. Get these kids back to school. Get to school. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, what are you looking forward to? And, you know, just in terms of, do you have any goals in mind? Do you have new passions you want to, you know, look into, explore? Go on vacation. That's it. She wants to go on I vacation. <laughs> want to be by a beach without my cell phone ringing for work. And just asking for endless margaritas. Oh, That's girl. It. We were supposed to go to Mexico. We had our, I'm never going to let this go because we had, <laughs> we had our hotel booked, we had our flights booked, and we did Adrian's passport in January. We submitted it January 3rd. They received it the 8th. We paid to get it expedited. A week before, you still wait. a week before flying, we never got it. I called, I called the congressman to try to expedite it, nothing. And so we had, to, we had to redirect our flight to Mexico to Phoenix. We didn't have to. Well, we did. We didn't have to. What do you mean? We couldn't go to Mexico anyway. No, but you made it seem like 
that was the only option? No, well, the op- no. there was it was either Florida or Mexico because that's the only place. Or don't go nowhere at all. No. So we went to Phoenix, <laughs> and we just got. The, I just got the email yesterday that it's been shipped. <laughs> After we came back from vacation. So it's kind of good that you never plan anything. So you don't have to deal with the extreme disappointment that we've had yeah. to go through yeah. for the past year. Seriously. Like, hey, we're going to Mexico. Psych. Exactly. <laughs> A group of 12 already paid for their hotels and everything. Now we have to cancel everything. Full refunds. <laughs> and go to Phoenix. <laughs> Why are you making it seem like the trip was so bad? It wasn't bad. It was fun. They're already can't let it go. Yeah, I know. <laughs> no, okay. Like I said, I'd rather Mexico. be like Melissa. I mean, Mexico, exactly. Phoenix. I would take Mexico too. Or you can drink. I know. Just all inclusive. It, all well, inclusive. I know. I will say we had all we could drink. It's just that you and your brother can't hang and don't drink a lot. <laughs> you guys don't drink a lot. You guys don't give me drinks. Wow. We, had, we had fully stocked fridges with plenty of alcohol. I drank alcohol. But it wasn't but you all you could drink. You alcohols for me. I it had to get it myself. You could dr- what? We have to serve you too? What? Y'all serve everybody else? <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> Yo, you're the nah, bro, they was on vacation. You had to serve yourself. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I got to do myself now? Dang, you was on vacation? <laughs> They're like, no, I wanted to walk up to a bar in Mexico yeah, and have it yeah, handed to it me. Exactly. That's what it was. That's what it was. No, I don't want to walk up to the bar. I want to swim. Swim up to the bar. Exactly. This ain't, this ain't self-serve you know? Come on Yeah but again we, I mean, we, were, we all already planned out Our outfits We had shorts and everything We, we have matching go, shirts Yeah yeah we Matching shirts We go to Phoenix It's like New York weather over there <laughs> It was like 70 yeah. degrees it, on, on a good day On a good day But then It It boils down to that We were still Able to go. Yeah, it was yeah. an experience. You're, you're complaining to a woman who hasn't gone on vacation in over a year. She's been working since She's the like, height really of the pandemic. Saying, she hasn't Hello. even Hello. gone out. Can I have the Phoenix Phoenix trip? Hello. Thank you. <laughs> you know, so I mean, if she wants to be at a beach, you know, she has. She's been working nonstop, so we can't complain. At least we were able to go. Yeah. You know, so you have to think of it that way. Okay. <laughs> so so how was your how was your experience flying because right now me thinking about getting on a plane like with people so close to me gives me anxiety well we flew to disney in november like towards uh, a week before thanksgiving we were there mm-hmm. and uh the flights were empty the flights were at that time they, they were, were they were like half the plane was full yeah mm-hmm. it wasn't and even- every other row was empty so it was every other row that was empty and, and every then, seat, in, and the every seat empty. in the middle. Unless your family was together, right. then you could pick you the whole grouped. row. Yeah. Oh, okay. And uh, before you, we, we flew JetBlue and then uh, when you got on the plane, they temperature checked you, temperature checked you with the thermometer on your forehead. They give you wipes, hand sanitizer. And, and they hand. gave you like a little, like a yeah. little packet for you to clean yeah, your to clean table, your hands, the table, clean the, 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 TV. the TV and things like that. So everything was good. Uh, Everything, even even TSA, everything just went pretty smooth. Mm. Uh, Disney, they were on top of it. Everything was contactless. Everything you do through your phone or through your wristband through the hotel. Uh, the same thing with the resort, with the with the, the theme parks. Uh, they they it was like uh, at that time it was fifty percent capacity or twenty five percent capacity. I think it was when we went. I think 30 percent capacity. capacity. So everything was like ten minute waits for the rides. In, nice. in Disney. So and then. Uh, they were on top of you. They were the mass police everywhere you go. Yeah. It was no games over there. They, they, it was the bubble. This is like right after the finals, the NBA finals. So it was like the most secure place, safest place in, in Florida. Be. Yeah, Florida to be. So that was good. But then when we went to Phoenix, <laughs> you know, no temperature check. Packed. Packed. Pack. Like, every, to the gills. Yo, if, no. if, I was, if we didn't sit together as a family, it was like, yo, we need to book it and book it together. We were like, we were sitting next to strangers. I was like, why is there no space in between? Yeah. We it was like packed flights. Listen, we can't complain for, for a $49 flight coming back. <laughs> no, we can't complain about that. But I, I, I mean, I don't know how true this is, but apparently the filtration system on airplanes is one of the best. Um, and that's why they are able to fill the plane because I, the air is, 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 is I can, cycled I can out. see that. I can see that being a, 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 the, the reasoning behind being able to do that, that you know, having the capacity and to do so. And you have to have your mask on And you have to have your mask on the whole time. But, but the then you see time. videos of people get, like, getting escorted off the plane because they don't want to wear the mask, mm-hmm. uh, fights breaking out with, with stewardesses, you know, like, mm-hmm. 
with the with the people at the at the front desk. But I think those like, are very like those cases are very they're they're very you know specific cases, and I don't think that happens too often. So I I wouldn't want to you know give too much bearing to that you know to those extreme situations or circumstances. But overall, like our our travel experience in the beginning in November, empty. Not so much in March. So I was like, eh. yeah. So far, it's been good. It's been the, the all the airports that they haven't been packed, except for the flights itself. Like like like, and we fly. We've been flying like early morning or or late or late, late evening. So it's been pretty good so far. No complaints. Yeah, but I mean, if you're still having anxiety about it, I mean, everybody's still gonna have anxiety. I mean, that's how it oh, is. Yeah, but um. It's been better. I, I, you know, we, for us, we test before we go and we test when we come back. Yeah. That's for us for a peace of mind. I don't know if they, you know, if all people do that, but we do it for ourselves. You know, mm-hmm. so if you, if you're thinking about just going away for a weekend, just do it. So you need a break, girl. You need a break. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. <laughs> but I think, I think the last thing I want to like, just bring to you, like, what is the message? that you want to let, you know, the listeners know and, you know, that you want them to understand about you and about how you, you've coped during um, COVID and, you know, just during this whole situation with the pandemic. Um, Laura, she asking me to get deep here. Yeah. Dig deeper, girl. Dig deeper. Hey, the juicy details. Dig deep. Um, I just think, I just think people really just need to be, they just need to be patient and they need to be considerate. I think one of the things that we learned, um, during the entire pandemic, um, is that, you know, we have to take other people's needs and other people into consideration. Um, because we were, that wasn't really us. I mean, we're New Yorkers. We're like, go, go, go. It doesn't really matter what's happening. We're going to go anyway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we kind of learned, we kind of learned how to like, stop, take a minute, take a breath and kind of reevaluate what's really important to us. Because I think if, if we all looked at everything, we would see that probably the things we thought were really important to us in 2019 they're probably lower in our list in 2021. Um, and I think that the pandemic put that, put a lot of things into perspective, in, including that, like you said, you had to cut off a lot of people and you don't have all of the friends that you had before. It's probably because they weren't good for you before, but it was just like mm-hmm. normal for you. So let me, yeah, so let me just continue. And you kind of, that kind of put things into perspective for you. So I think that that's probably one of the biggest things that I learned. I probably learned that as well. Yeah. I know that when it comes to just finding yourself, like, did you find, or did you discover something new about yourself during this pandemic? Like just, was there anything that you knew that you, maybe I can't handle this. Was there something new that you discovered about yourself? I learned that I can handle a lot more than I thought I could. Girl, Um, preach. That's probably probably the one thing about myself that I learned, that I'm okay being by myself. I think I always knew that, but I think I learned that even more. But just that, you know, if if I got through the worst, the rest of life, I mean, what else can happen that hasn't already happened? that I, that I'm going to need to get through. So probably just my, my strength as a person. Absolutely. I 110%, but I want to take this opportunity and thank you again, Melissa, you know, just, and all the special guests, we've had an amazing amount of people, um, all different people from all different walks of life, essential workers that we're able to sit down and have uh, a talk with us, you know, with our talking with essential worker series, you know, I, again, I want to thank you again, having this opportunity, speaking with you and hearing anything so special. It's a, it's a special thing to hear everybody's backstory, you know, and yeah. I really appreciate you participating with us today. Um, I don't know if anybody else has any other questions or any closing comments or anything else to, you know, or ask Melissa. Yes, Adrian. I hope you get better during this pandemic. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You're very sweet. I know. No, I just want to say thank you for your services. I want to thank the listeners for tuning in so far every week. 
and for growing our podcast. We're putting in a lot of hard work, uh, the effort to get better, to produce more content. We want to thank everyone that's listening again. We thank you. And if you guys have any topics that you guys want to hear or us talk about or people to feature on the show, send us an email at uh, tableforfourpodcasters at gmail.com. Thank you, everyone, for listening in. And Adrian, where can they find us? They can find us Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Table for Four. You can listen and click on that follow button where you can get that notification on the newest episode on all major podcasts. Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Breaker Radio, Radio Public, and now you can follow us on iHeart, Amazon, Audible, and YouTube at Table for Four. Thank you, Adrian. I appreciate that. That was awesome. That was great. So, Again, I want to take this opportunity. I want to wish everybody a blessed week, a good Friday, a happy Easter, a happy Passover, a happy Ramadan. I hope I got all my bases covered. We want to wish you everybody the best for this week. Um, I also want to take a quick pause and um, I remember my mom's first cousin, uh, Pedro Belin. He sadly passed away on March 28th at uh, the age of 46. So I just want to send prayers and condolences to our family out there in Orlando. Um, it was just such a short, um, it just happened suddenly. So, you know, that's something that was hard, but it wasn't COVID related, but you yeah. know, we just, just want to send hugs and prayers to my family out there in Orlando. So I want to take an opportunity to say goodbye to everybody. I'm going to say goodnight to Melissa. Thank you so much, Melissa, for participating with us today. Thank you for having me, guys. Welcome. This is fun. Thank this you, is Melissa. This is great. This is so much fun today. Also, don't forget, tomorrow's April Fool. Even though he left us right. midway. Like, you right, were gone what, are you talking about? Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> the bathroom, I mean. You had fun in the bathroom? Jesus. Yes. <laughs> I don't even want to know what he did in the bathroom. <laughs> Oh, come on. All righty. Friendly, friendly. All right, guys. Say goodnight, everybody. Good night. Good night. Bye, guys. Bye. See you on the next episode. See you on the next episode.